It is the technology show where we translate geek into regular speak. I'm Brett Levy. I'm your host this week. I'm your host every week. So this week has been an interesting one for me. The review that I'm going to do today, um, it's definitely something I haven't done. In fact, let's bring up the screen. So let's uh, let's get into the presentation mode for those of you that are actually watching. So straight into things with a Z, I am doing the Asus Expert Book B5. Now, um, I use a Mac. Uh, I think that's just the easiest way to start off this review. I've been on a Mac for many, many years. Um, and a Windows machine is probably like a left-hand drive car for me. But for those listeners in America, uh, our cars are right-hand drive. So like if you imagine coming over to Australia, renting a car, going around again into the driver's seat, and the steering wheel is not there. That's kind of how I feel when it comes to Windows. Um, but the only time I actually use Windows is when I'm gaming. So even then, it's not really the operating system, but I go straight into my game account. So turn on machine, open Steam or open Epic or whatever it is, um, and play. So I've never, I mean, I'm thinking now, can't say never, but the last time I actually used Windows was XP. Now, I know that probably half of my listeners don't even know what XP is or might not even have been might not even been around um, when XP was being used. Anyway, so I decided, uh, well, when I was invited to review the, the machine, I decided it would be awesome. It's tech. And, yes, I know there's a lot of PC users out there. But I was going to review this book from a hardware point of view, as opposed to the operating system, because, well, I actually don't think much of Microsoft anyway, or any of their software for that matter, um, except Xbox. I do like my Xbox. Um, but yeah, so I thought, let me just review it from a hardware point of view, like what it is that a consumer would see or want from a device if they weren't going with Mac. So here we go. So first impressions, um, really well built. Like PCs have come a long way. I remember in the early days, maybe 10, 15 years ago, you could just tell the build quality difference between a Mac and any brand of Windows machine. Um, that's not the case anymore. And, and in fact, even more so when I open up the box, it's a 16-inch tablet. Now, this is where it's actually quite interesting. My MacBook is a MacBook Pro and it's a 13-inch. This is a 16-inch laptop. It actually weighs less than my 13-inch. So I was really intrigued just by unpacking it. I mean, of course, who doesn't like to unpack boxes? Um, the visual overview, the B5 looks great. It's got like this like this black-blue color. If, you, if you're watching the show, I don't think the screen does it justice. Like it depends on how the light hits it. Kind of think like Elvis Presley hair color, but in a matte finish, if that makes sense. Um, I'm getting people saying, who's Elvis Presley? Uh, but basically, for me, it was just all about the fact that this is like a 1.6 kg laptop that doesn't feel cheap. And I think that's quite important to add. You know, when you generally, with a with a Mac, they're made from aluminum. So it, it's generally heavier than a plastic-bodied laptop. But when you hold the Asus, it's light, but it doesn't feel cheap or plasticky. I think the easiest way to describe this is like if you go into a, a cell phone shop and you pick up a no-name brand phone and then you pick up like a Samsung um, or Google Pixel uh, and you you kind of feel them. You can feel the no-name brand. It just, it just feels cheap. Well, this is not the case. 
So, so far, so good, right? Um, we haven't turned it on yet, so we're not actually worried about what operating system is inside the device. Now, as a Mac user, there's one thing that I do have when I sit and hold the B5 or Expert Book or Asus, or whatever you want me to call it over this interview, and that is something called Port Envy. Now, this, uh, I'm actually, I wonder if my bag is uh, accessible. I've got a, any other Mac user out there will know this feeling. Let me see if I can actually find, yep. Why do I have Port Envy? Well, if you're watching the show, I'm holding up my little bag. This is my goes everywhere bag. And if I open it up, it's just adapters. Because that is the joy of being a Mac owner, is we have to have adapters for everything. We have to have adapters for the ports to USB to HDMI. Um, I carry a like a little port from, uh, in fact, from 12 South. I've been using it for ages. That's got my HDMI and my USB A and so on. And that's because generally, and, and this wasn't always the case, right? In the early days of the MacBook Pro, we had lots of ports. Um, on my current one, I have four USB-C ports. That's it. Oh, do I have an earphone jack? And an earphone jack. There we go. So I got four USB ports, USB-C ports, and an earphone jack. Um, yeah, that's not the case with the B5. So if you not watching, I will describe the ports. And it's probably the same along a lot of top-end PCs, but still, I do have port NB. So there's two Thunderbolt 4 type USB-Cs. Um, there's two USBs. One of them is a 3.2 and one of them is a 2. So for those that are not into geek specs, the 3.2 and the 2 is just speed. So some, some will transfer to faster speed than others. Um, and the question is, well, why do they do that? Well, one, it's cheaper. But two, I think like a mouse or printer, I'm just trying to think of what peripherals you put straight in, even a tablet. You don't need more than USB 2. Um, USB 3.2 would be if you had an external drive and you wanted to transfer at faster speeds. It has an HDMI port. It has a 3.5 millimeter audio jack. It even has a micro SD card reader. Now, that's pretty cool. If you've got a drone um, or even your camera, like a professional camera, pop the card out, pop it straight into the, into the ASUS, and you can read your files. Um, it also has a gigabit LAN port. Now, I, I, I don't really work wired at home, but if you're gaming, wired is the way to go. So the fact that you have a LAN port built in as well, and also when you go to places where you don't want to use public Wi-Fi, but you need to present, a lot of companies will have a dedicated or spare giganet, um, Ethernet port uh, cable, I can't my words today, for you to just plug in in the boardroom, right? So you can't do that on a Mac. Unless you have an adapter, my bag. Um, there's even also a fingerprint fingerprint reader on the power button. So from a security point of view, now I have that feature on my Mac. The power button is actually Touch ID. Um, I can put my fingerprint on it when it's asking me for things like CCV numbers for my credit card or um, logging in for password control. So the fingerprint reader does the same thing. But also the camera has camera recognition on the notebook. I noticed that when I set up Windows, um, see, I am talking about Windows now, you can put in your, your password, but you can actually set it to Face ID as well. Um, so, yeah. And it has a Kingston Nano Lock. So that's that like little, a lot of people actually don't even realize that that's what that's for. If you look on your laptop, you'll probably see there's like a little, it looks like a little hole that nothing seems to fit in there. 
that's what the Kingston Nanolock is. So you get a security cable that's chained to the desk or something like that, and this plugs in and releases from there with a, it's normally with a, um, I'm going like this with my hands. Um, it's normally with a uh, combo. Um, you can get a key version, you can get a combo as well. So that's probably like, you know, when you're working somewhere remotely and you need to make sure your laptop doesn't run out, or maybe even at a presentation, like doing a show stand or something like that, the Kingston Lock does come into hand. I must say, I was at an exhibition a couple of weeks ago, and every time I wanted to go to the bathroom and go get some fuel, if no one else was on the stand to watch it, I had to close the Mac, disconnect it, put in bag, take it with me. Uh, Kingston Nanolock would have been great. Anyway, so um, I didn't spend time testing out the CPU. Um, it's an Intel processor. Um, I didn't check the RAM or the hard drives. I'm not keeping the laptop, so there was no need to try and fill up the hard drive or try and put it through its paces as to see what it goes. You know, we get to review lots of cool tech. We don't always get to keep it, unless we beg really nicely, um, or they want us to keep it. Uh, but basically, um, yeah, so I mean, I'm not filling it up with pictures or music, but the expert book comes in either an i7 or an i5. I had the i7 version. Um, it can be spec'd up to 40 gigs of RAM, which to me seems like overkill, but again, it is. Um, and two terabytes of solid state drive. So I think it's two slots. If I remember reading in the literature, I mean, obviously I didn't open up the machine, but I'm led to believe that there's actually two slots. There's probably two one terabyte drives that you could put in there. Um, I think that's how it gets up to, up to its two terabytes. Yes, I'm hearing people go, but what happens if I don't have two terabytes? You could put two 500 gigs or one terabyte and one 500, one 256. Generally with um, with PCs, I've always found two hard drives do make sense. Like I'm talking about from a gaming point of view, you have the hard drive if you want to save some money. So the HDD, which is where you'll store everything, it is cheaper, but you can store big game files on there. And then you have an SDD, solid state uh, SSD, sorry. Um, a solid state drive, which is faster, and that's where you put the operating system on, and that's what runs the computer. So the fact that it has room for two hard drives um, inside a laptop, pretty impressive. I don't believe my Mac does that. This is not a Mac shaming thing, Brett. Right, what else we got? Ah, oh, okay. So where I didn't go into RAM and I didn't go into hard drives, and I mean, let's be honest, those are the boring workings inside a machine. I have to mention the screen. There's only one word to describe the screen, and that is gorgeous, or two words, beautiful. It's an OLED display. It is super rich, and you can actually – so for the people that are watching the show, I put a screenshot up to show you like an LCD versus um, OLED. Uh, go into any hi-fi shop, you know, JB Hi-Fi, and, and look at an OLED TV and look at an LED TV. This is no different on the computer. The colors were absolutely incredible. They were vivid. They were sharp. Um, I have to say they were better than my MacBook, but my MacBook doesn't have an OLED display. Um, so, I mean, you've got to compare apples with apples, but it was just beautiful, beautiful color. So if you're sitting working with documents or um, lots of images, PowerPoint, whatever you would do in a working environment on a laptop, this screen was something else. And I can hear people going, yeah, it sounds like you're going to watch Netflix on it. I did. It's a 16-inch screen. Um, I put it on my lap. It only weighs like 1.6 kgs, and it's light, and I watch Netflix in glorious color. Um, in fact, 
better than my iPad as well. So um, that's something that, you know, if if you're spending a lot of time working on a computer when it comes to image um, and, and colors, this one's definitely up there. The other thing as well with OLED technology, just as an aside, it has a lot of blue light protection in it. So the blue light for your eyes, it damages your eyes. Um, not so much with an OLED. Now, at this point, I also need to point out that there are two models in the expert range. I had the non-touch screen, which opens to like 180 degrees, so it goes flat. Um, and there is a touch screen with a stylus version that does the full 360 degree flip thing. Um, so depending on your preference, there's actually choice. Um, now, as a Mac user, I've always been conditioned to not touch my screen. Um, so not having a touch screen on the Asus while I was reviewing it wasn't necessarily a feature that I missed. In fact, I don't like fingerprints on my screen anyway. So when, when I'm sitting with clients and or, or mates and they, they lean over and they touch my screen and they go, oh, what about this? It, it drives me nuts because there's this fingerprint that I just focus on for the next hour. Um, but people like Aria, hello, Aria Sternberg. Um, he's been working on a touch screen. In fact, he works on the surface with a stylus for well, as long as I've known the guy. So there are definitely preferences. I think if you're drawing or editing, um, he used to always mock me about the fact that uh, um, if we ever needed to sign a document, so he was my business partner. If we ever needed to sign a document, he would actually bring me his laptop with his stylus. Um, so I've just had a comment come through from Peter. I'll put up on the screen. I read somewhere that Asus redesigned their whole range to go after the digital creatives. That's why they went high end with OLED. Well, Peter, let me tell you something. I don't know whether they redesigned everything, but it is absolutely beautiful screen. Um, I've played with a lot of machines before, and when when you turn on this machine and the color comes on and that, it really is a wild statement. So, um, yeah, from that point of view, love it. I can only assume that the flip touch version with the stylus, and by the way, the stylus actually goes into the machine. That was something that the Microsoft Surface didn't have. Um, I remember Aria had a special case that clipped it on. This goes in. You could probably carry a spare one as well. Um, I have to assume they've used the same screen. They've just put the, the touch controls on it. But really, really impressed with the screen. The battery life was superb. Now, it's important to mention battery life and Microsoft or Windows in the same breath. Microsoft machines have never, ever been famous for battery life. And I can hear people going, oh, you're just a hater. I'm not a hater. This is a fact. Um, they just haven't been. And the reason for that is just how Windows works with executables. The machine's running a lot harder and faster than it does, uh, than a Mac does, or a Linux machine for that matter, or even a Chromebook. I've reviewed a Chromebook before. I love Chromebook technology. I use Chrome as my default browser. Yes, it's a Google product, and I'm a Mac user, and I don't use Safari. Um, but the battery life is superb. Now, they claimed 13 hours. I never put it through its, its full use to find out. I never worked on it for 13 hours. But I also never ran out of battery. And if I had, it has fast charging through its USB-C port with a 90-watt charger. So if you're a busy professional, um, power is not going to hold you back. And the charger wasn't big. Like, it, it wasn't any bigger than the, the white block of a MacBook that you, you would have seen running around in the past. Um, so fast charging, 
13 hours of battery. And let's be honest, right? If we're working and we're working an eight hour day, huh? <laughs> eight hour day. I got remember the last time I worked an eight hour day. But if we are working an eight hour day and it's got a purported 13 battery, you're not going to run out. Um, for those that have been watching or listening to the show for a while, when I review something, I try and review all the different components. I did spend a good few hours on the machine, never had battery issues. I had the color up in full. I was connected to the internet because these are the things as well, right? People are going to go, yeah, is that 13 hours of the Wi-Fi or from this? I had color on. I had bright on. In fact, I was even connected to an external monitor because I was comparing the colors between my external monitor, which is not OLED, but it's, well, used to be pretty good. Now it's average. Um, I've been a bit ruined. I need to get myself an OLED monitor for my desk. The audio was good. Uh, I did mention I watched Netflix on it. The audio was good. The sound was clear. Um, now, there's quite an interesting design thing. I might have a slide here. I'm going to go back. You might be able to see it if you're watching this show, but they have a hinge. It's called an ergo lift hinge. So instead of a laptop, which if you think about a traditional laptop, it closes and it's all perfectly shaped. This hinge kind of offsets the lid and pushes it back and down. So what that does is it actually elevates the keyboard slightly. This is not necessarily to, to, to combat uh, carpal tunnel and give you wrist position. It actually helps the audio resonate because the audio speakers are now raised up and the sound can play down and bounce off the solid surface that the laptop's on. So really clever design, but also it allows for better airflow. This is probably why I didn't hear the fans running that much. Now, in some of the review um, material that they sent me, they, there was reference to the fan technology. Um, I honestly didn't read it, so I'm not going to talk about it. But I didn't hear the fans. Like, that's something that I've always remembered with also with Windows machines specifically. Every few minutes, these fans just start going zzzz. As I said, uh, when I use a Windows machine, I game. We've got liquid cooling, nine fans in the box just to try and keep the damn thing cold. So um, heat and Windows is definitely something that is synonymous. I didn't hear the fans, and I was running, well, I'd like to say 4K, but I think my internet speed was probably only the equivalent of 2K speed um, and settings. Um, but, you know, streaming, Netflix, sound up at good volume, brightness on full, uh, didn't really hear the fans. So there's obviously something that's been done in the fan technology as well. And the noise cancelling technology on their microphones was really good from a, an isolation point of view. Um, so when you're on a call, you can actually change the settings. There's software as well. I don't know what the default is. I would assume that would isolate. Um, but you can change different modes so that it can actually position you in 360 sound so it can bring in the surrounding sound. So like if you're in a conference call, with colleagues, you can ensure that all of them are held, uh, heard sorry, equally. But if you're in a noisy environment, you can actually put on noise cancelling and the microphones now just focus in on your voice. Um, I always do a test call and things like that. I spoke to someone they and I was like clicking and banging stuff and asking people to make some noise around me. They weren't hearing the sounds, you know. So uh, it does work. Now, um, speaking of which, Oh, speaking of which, speaking of people being around and making noise, the expert, expert, expert book logo on the actual machine um, has a small little LED on it. Now, I just thought that was something that was a marketing point of view that just like lit up. 
but it's actually not. It's purpose-driven. So when you're on a video call, this illuminates so that anyone that walks past you or comes at you from the front can see the little red dot, um, which will tell them that you're on a call. I think it's quite clever. Now, Jabra does the same thing with their headsets. I've reviewed a few of the work headsets and buds, and it has red lights on it as well. So if anyone sees the red lights, they know you're on a call and obviously not to disturb you. It does require you to tell people this. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's going to walk past see the red dot and go, oh, shit, he's on a call. You, you, you would need to say, if you ever see the red dot on my laptop, I'm on a call, you know. But they would probably also see you talking. And like the way I talk, my hands go the whole time. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah. So, it is a nice feature. Well, I thought it was a nice feature. It's just part of design as opposed to just being there. The camera I mentioned does allow for face recognition um, to unlock, um, which worked really well. I think only once it didn't lock, but I, I, I think I moved away too quickly. Um, the crystal clear, it's got a little privacy slide thing as well. So you know that it's off. When you slide it, there's like a red mark that shows you that it's closed. Um, so you never have to worry about spying or anything like that. But um, great camera. And then I really like the keyboard. Now, I've heard a lot of people complain about big trackpads on laptops. Uh, I have a fairly big trackpad on my MacBook, so I'm quite used to it. And there's a reason for a big trackpad. Things like gestures. On a Mac, you can do two fingers or three fingers and swap. Well, Asus did not want to be outdone, or maybe it's a Windows 11 thing. I don't know. But you can get four-finger gestures apparently as well. I didn't try. I didn't learn any more gestures. The the two and three finger gestures seem to be universal, like open up multiple windows, pinch zoom, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so I personally don't mind a large or enlarged trackpad. Um, I'm used to it. Some people say that their wrists get in the way with it. It's just a case of where to position. Now, uh, if you're watching, you'll see um, I've got a picture of the trackpad up there as well, uh, the keyboard and, and, and trackpad area. The trackpad's not quite center, and that might be where you get the wrist issues. On my Mac, my trackpad is center. I can rest my wrist just on the side and still access my keyboard. So, yes, I can understand some people maybe um, touching the trackpad. There's probably a setting for that as well. I don't know. I, I didn't have an issue with that. I did really like the numbers, though. That's something that is has been missing on a Mac for ages. Man, I use an external keyboard because I like a number pad. Um, because it's 16 inches, there's obviously extra room. There's a dedicated number pad down the side, uh, which you can turn on and off. So you can use the num lock to turn it on and off. Um, some people don't like it. It's there. It's great. But staying with the numbers, um, I don't know if you'll see it clearly from the picture that, I, that I've got up here. Um, but the numbers 1, 2, 3, and 4 have got an always-on illumination around them. So I'm not talking about the... Um, the backlit, the actual key has an illumination around it. And these are designed to be for shortcuts. Open up Zoom, uh, open up email. You can program it for whatever you want. I use a thing called hot corners. So each corner of my Mac, if I move my mouse, uh, my finger or my mouse into a corner, something happens. This is now as quick as touching a button. So one, two, three, four, set it up to do what you want. Yeah, open chat, GPT, et cetera, et cetera. Again, Innovation, and I think that's what I was looking for when I picked up the Asus Expert Book B5. I wasn't ever going to look at Windows. For anyone that's worried, I got a message just came through that says, so when you're switching, never, um, never. I also won't switch my iPhone. 
Does that mean I don't like the device? Definitely not. I think it's a great device. The one thing I have to say, though, is it's a work machine. So due to the amazing screen, I did want to see what would happen if I played a few games. Um, the B5 handles smaller games, but it couldn't run the big open world ones. Now, again, this machine was not designed to be a gaming machine. It doesn't sit with a massive GPU, one of the big, you know, the NVIDIA's, 3060s, 4050s, etc. It's a expert book, expert as in work. Um, it's not a gaming machine. Asus makes gaming machines. They make very capable gaming machines. Um, I'm definitely in the market for a new gaming machine, hint, hint. Uh, but yeah, so basically, um, yeah, it's it, it didn't handle. Uh, I didn't try and overclock the processor. The last thing I wanted to do was send back a review unit with a fried processor. Um, I'm not a big fan of overclocking, just by the way, so even on your gaming machine, but that's not what it was designed for. I just, I was tempted, um, beautiful screen. I thought I'd open up one of the big world games. In fact, I, I opened up um, one of the big hunter realm games. So you go into the big wilderness and down by the water and the rivers. Um, not that I hunt, but this just seemed like one of the games that I could open easily without having to um you know configure and also that it it's it wasn't as big a download as some of the other games but um yeah you can't you can't judge or blame me for trying um it, as i said the screen was just so tempting to go in and see what happened so to end it off i would say this would be an absolutely incredible device if it had mac os so for now it's just an expert device it's not fair it is a great device. It's everything that you would want it to be. Um, if you were looking to buy a PC, if you're not a Mac user, um, have no desire to to, to be in, in the Apple ecosystem, um, then if you were sitting and, and, and looking for a machine um, and you were doing the comparison and the research, and by the way, please don't ever just buy something. Like Do the research. That's what shows like this are for. We give you opinions, but still just an opinion. Do the research, read up the articles. As I said, Peter mentioned earlier that they're focusing on digital creatives. Um, you know, go and do go and do what you need to do. Um, check out what you need to check. And um, I do have to say, though, this should be a machine that you should consider um, if you're looking at a top-end, well-built, lightweight, 16-inch um, uh, laptop that runs windows so i think that takes me to the end of my uh tech review or tech news uh sorry end of uh, things with a z and onto tech news so what have we got in tech news today ah okay so alibaba's new ai imaging tool is now being positioned to take on like mind journey um mid journey sorry mind journey mid journey and dolly 2 it's called i don't know if i'm pronouncing this correctly Tongji Wangqing, Wangxing, Wangxing, W-A-N-X-I-A-N-G. Someone can correct me if they're fluent in Mandarin or Cantonese. But Wangxing or Wangqing actually means tens of thousands of photos. Um, now, if you take this powered by Alibaba's cloud um, and their money, this is going to put China into a super powerhouse when it comes to the AI space. Now, with all the concerns about privacy and banding things like Huawei and ZTE and all the devices that come out of China, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how China uses this technology to 
build images that they could kind of filter and, and feed into Western society of things that we, we you know, what we perceive. Um, they go all the conspiracy theorists now. If you're watching, I've got a picture of a, 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 a girl. I'm actually going to read you the prompt because you can hear the prompt, right? The prompt is a six-year-old girl's beautiful and exquisite Chinese-style henfu is displayed in front of a clothes rack, medium spelt wrong, close-up, uh, something with the lens. But basically, young six-year-old Chinese girl in traditional wear standing in front of a, a, a closet of clothes in the background. There's even bokeh in the background, which is like when you blur background. Um, I mean, the, this photo is real to me. If you send me this photo and said, this is my niece or my daughter, whatever, wearing her favorite um, handfu, I'm not going to query it. It really is a good picture. So um, is it scary? Yes. Is this the way AI is going? Y yes. Um, are we going to see some crazy pictures coming out into out of China, definitely. Um, the thing that, 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 I mean, this is one of those AI, right? We're all trying to limit AI and its capability, but we're going to get to a point soon where we just won't know what's real. Right, next, threads. So Zuckerberg has been his usual self and uh, stealing stuff. Um, but yeah, wow. So if you haven't been following threads then versus Twitter, you also probably not on Instagram because with Instagram now, you don't kind of really have a choice. You have to get a Threads account, which also might have contributed to the fact that Threads has over 100 million users in five days. I think we're in day six today, um, and it's over 100 million users. Elon's being his usual self and having a little moan and uh, the asparagus or Asperger's, whatever you call that, is kicked in. Look, he's not going to take it lying down, but he's like, Oh, they stole my staff and they're stealing my IP and I think I'm going to sue. Elon, I know you need a hug, mate, but you have absolutely single-handedly destroyed a network that I and many millions of people used to love called Twitter. Um, this was coming, mate. Unfortunately, from day one, you have made some stupid decisions when it comes to Twitter and you're going to pay the price now. It's just time to pay the piper. So, yeah, cut your losses put your energy back into Tesla and SpaceX and all the other good stuff you've done. But Threads is going to trump Twitter. See what I did there with Trump? Because Trump might be the Trump card here for Twitter. Maybe if Elon unbans him and allows him back on Twitter, because let's be honest, what does he call his network? Truth or something like that? I don't think it's done really well. But maybe if Trump comes back to Twitter, you can bring a few couple of million people back there, or at least keep them to stay. So you don't have to give up Twitter to move to Threads, right? But Threads is going to become Twitter. Um, one, you don't have to pay to get 500 characters instead of 240 or whatever the limitation is. Uh, being part of Facebook, Insta, and WhatsApp, it all integrates. Um, move into VR, you'll have your stories feeding through. So it makes sense that they play in this space. Did they steal staff to build it? I don't know. Knowing Zuckerberg, probably. But the bottom line is, whether I like the guy or not, it's irrelevant. He's he's. You know, they haven't got into that cage fight match they were talking about. But for now, it's round one Zuckerberg. I mean, that is just an absolute knockout punch that he's delivered. So definitely worth watching. I've joined Threads. Haven't used it, but joined it because it's there. I'll 
kind of have a look, see what happens as it progresses. Um, oh, this one was an interesting one. Talking about like stuff coming out of China and the threats and all this type of stuff as well. EV charger hacking. That was the headline. So hackers have actually been targeting EV chargers, electric vehicles, um, and they've been <laughs> there's been incidents from like displaying political memes to broadcasting pornography on the screens. Um, is it just careless fun? Is it just young guys having some fun? Maybe. However, the cybersecurity experts are now warning us that these breaches could actually be a lot more severe. So they say that the consequences could include like compromising customer data. Um, they could even destabilize power grids. So think about it for a second, right? The world is now rolling up these charging stations everywhere, getting us ready for cars that don't run on fuel anymore. And they're all connected to the grid. And now they hack the grid and you plug in your EV, you enter your credentials and a whole chain of events happens. One, they have your credentials. Two, they know your vehicle because your vehicle is not attached to the device. Three, they now know where you live because your vehicle is going to go home. Four, they take control of the grid via this, um, there's a word for it, I was going to say insurgents, but this pen test, this infiltration, I think is the word I'm looking for. And five, if they choose to, they can actually turn off power grids all over. Now remember, electric vehicles aren't the only things that need power, right? I'm doing the show because I've got power. Um, so if they come backwards into the grid and shut down the grid, they shut down everything. So it's got to be serious because um, although the EV charger companies are quite responsive to this, like when they've seen reports of this, the fact that the U.S. government has recognized how important the EV charger network's security is or cybersecurity, they've actually started allocating funds in their budgets to expanding charging network security infrastructure. So, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to be putting layers in front of the machine or or there'll be a requirement for you to test, like if you own the EV station. So let's say, let's take Tesla, for example, right? Tesla owns their network. They might be required by law to do certain things at certain times to ensure that no one's actually accessed their, um, um, their, their infrastructure. Now, how hard is this? Um, it's actually not that hard. I have spoken about this on the show before. I've warned about this in blogs. Uh, not to use the wall chargers in airports, just the normal USB things. People have been replacing them with USB with small um, agents that can, when you connect your phone or your computer, whatever it is, the agent activates and comes into your device and can either put in a Trojan or dump malware, etc., etc. So it's a reality. Um, yeah. So, you know, I don't remember the last time I got hacked putting petrol into my car. Hashtag just saying. Anyway, um, staying with security. Now, this is an interesting one. So NAB, the National Australian Bank, for those that don't know or don't live here, have actually decided to stop adding links into their SMS notifications. Now, the statement that the bank made um, is that if you receive an SMS with a link in, it's a scam. That's obviously moving forward from today, yesterday, or whenever it is that they've announced this. Um, I like the thinking and the fact that the bank is trying to do something to protect us. And I actually bank with NAB, but equally, this is not practical. So like on the screen, for example, I've, I've got a screenshot of, an, of a text message. It'll go like, dear NAB bank user, we've detected some unusual activity. We urgently ask you to review your following account with a funny link. Yeah, probably a scam, even that one. 
and would be a scam moving forward. But there is still a use for SMS and links inside SMSs. So surely, and, and again, well done to NAB. Uh, you're at least trying to take some initiative, like that's one more barrier that people aren't going to be able to just click on a link and get and, and get scammed. But I still think that telcos need to be responsible. At the end of the day, the telco is the company that's providing the SMS channel. The SMS is sent over their network. I cannot send an SMS unless I have an account on a telco. And I do think that our governments around the world need to actually put more pressure on the telcos then leave it up to corporate uh, to, to try figure ways to combat these issues themselves. Because at the end of the day, if a bank's customer gets hacked, it's the bank that suffers and the bank reputation that suffers. But they're using technology that is effectively, well, it's weak, right? Um, it's being infiltrated. I can hear people going, yeah, oh, Brett, but, you know, there's other ways around it and they can still send emails. Yes, they can. But there should be a way that the telcos actually um, stop people messaging. So, yeah, I think that takes me to the end of tech news. It does. Um, oh, you game. Okay, so this was, oh, I don't know if this was me being lazy or the fact that I was playing on a machine that wasn't actually mine. So I didn't want to, like, and, and as I said, it wasn't a gaming machine, so I didn't really look at anything gaming. But I went back into an old game. If you haven't played Limbo, then you haven't played. Now, Limbo is available cross-platform, I think. I'm sure I've played it on Xbox. I've definitely played it on my MacBook, which means it's available on PC as well. Um, and I, I was just going through my phone and I stumbled across Limbo. In fact, it was Limbo Plus. So the Plus is a, um, is a game on an iPhone that's part of Apple Arcade. It doesn't mean that you're getting extra levels in there. Someone asked me about that before, I think, on Monument Valley. Also an amazing game. Time to revisit that as well. Um, there was a Monument Valley Plus inside Apple Arcade. That just meant it was free with Apple Arcade as opposed to paying the five bucks or whatever it was. Limbo is an exquisite game. So you, it's a side player platform game. You're this little dude. It's all in black and white with shades of gray. And everything is trying to kill you. You start at one end and you're trying to get to another. I have not finished the game. Um... I will admit that I definitely lost a few hours of my life over the last week or week since I've done the show, I think. Um, it is an incredible game. It is a beautiful game. It's it. If you're one of those people a bit squeamish, um, for people that know me, I'm arachnophobic, and the picture that I've put up, you can clearly see as a, as a spider. Um, this is a really, really hard one to figure out. So there's no instructions, right? You've just got to progress from left to right. Sometimes you have to go left again to go right. Sometimes you have to go down to go up. These are part of learnings. But it's literally tap a screen left and right and swish for a jump. That's it. Um, I highly recommend if you're going to try Limbo, try it with a headset. There's rain in the background and crackling and sounds. And it's just, it really is a beautiful game. I'm so glad that I stumbled back upon it. Um, I definitely lost a few hours on it. But I, I'm glad I did. I highly, highly recommend this game. Um, and as I said, it's available on, on every platform. So if you do like to play games um, that, you know, that don't get you totally involved, that you can just stop. Oh, and it has auto saves as well. Like you progress through stages and you kind of know when you've gone through a stage. Like, for example, the spider one, yeah, when you do get past the spider, 
um, it would save. So like if you just chose to turn off the phone at that moment in time, you could, and you'll come back and play from there. So you don't have to play all over again because that's some of the games, it, it's a bit shitty like that where you have to start all over again um, when you play these, especially side or platformers. Um, so Limbo, hands down, one of my favorite games of, of all time. Um, Monument Valley, I mentioned earlier, definitely up there as well. Although Monument Valley is quite quick to finish. Um, I, I might review that again. It's about an hour, maybe an hour and a half to finish uh, Monument Valley. But yeah, so I played Limbo this week in uh, RU Game. Q&A. So the Q&A that I got, um, the one that I thought I'd talk about this because it could actually could lead me into something I could segue from it is where do I find the best Prime Day deals? So the short answer is Google. And the reason for that is it actually depends on your country. Um, I subscribe to all kinds of newsletters and magazines, some of them American. So clicking on a link to Prime Day deals on an American newsletter is not going to help me because those deals aren't available in Australia and vice versa. So my suggestion is twofold. One, Google it. Two, um, you probably do subscribe to some form of tech magazine and as well. Otherwise, you wouldn't be watching the technology show. So clearly, staying up to date on tech, I'd be quite shocked if the tech magazine of your country that you subscribe to doesn't have it. Case in point, we have one here called Man of Many. Um, really nice little newsletter. It's a daily. comes out with gym, with diet, with clothes. Um, they had a top 100 or best deals based on category, so electronics, homewares, etc. Um, with links, takes you straight there. I'm sure they get uh, an affiliate marketing click from there as well, but hey, who's to judge? Uh, but the reason I also thought, and I said I'd segue into it as well, um, the reason I thought I'd use this as my Q&A though, is just to remind you though, not to fall into the honeypot trap. Every year, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Amazon Prime, Click Frenzy, there's so many of these events, right? And that's the honeypot trap. You see it, 56% off new X. Sounds great, right? Uh, but do you actually have the 44% that you have to spend? So something was uh, was 100 bucks. It's now only 44 You know, human nature, you buy it because it's a great deal, but the question is, do you have that money to spend? So that's the problem with us nowadays is that we don't like to give up on good deals and the clever marketing people know that. So it's only a good deal if you actually need it. It's not a good deal if you don't need it. And I, I'm the worst at this. Uh, um, and the other thing that I noticed is that I was scrolling through some of the deals. And I'm not going to shame or name any of the brands, but I actually did a comparison on one of the products that was showing as a prime day deal with its before price and it's after price, and I did a very quick Google search on shopping, the shopping tab. I found it cheaper. So sometimes that frenzy, piranha mindset, marketing style, you know, and there's a clock down time, and that's what's so good about it, right? This deal's valid for one hour, and it's clocking, or till till um, till stock runs out. Um, last year, I missed on a deal. I needed a TV, and I looked at a TV, and I oohed, and I odd, and it was like 50% off. It was a I think it was a Philips 4K. It was like 1400 bucks. It was 700 bucks. I was like, oh, ooh, oh, and I didn't do it. And God, it wasn't even time. That just ran out. So they obviously allocate um, X number of units as well. So, you know, that frenzy mindset that, as I call it, the piranha marketing style, it's going to get you every time. So, yeah, there are good deals. Uh, not much time left. I think it ends today at midnight or midday. I'm actually not even sure. So it might be totally defunct. But 
there will be another event. There'll be Click Frenzy, there'll be Cyber Monday, Black Friday, I don't know, America has, when they have their holidays, their Thanksgiving Day, they have all kinds of holiday deals. So just bear that in mind, you know, it still might be 44% more than you actually were going to spend or needed to spend. Eh, Killjoy, it's always nice to buy some stuff. Right, well, that uh, takes us to the end of it. So I uh, suppose until next time, keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny.